Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another podcast. I'm Christina Vogt, Associate Editor for the Consultant 360 Specialty Network. I'm joined by Dr. Alexander Turchin, who is an Associate Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School and Director of Quality and Diabetes in the Division of Endocrinology at Brigham and Women's Hospital. Today, we'll be discussing his recent study, Predictors and Consequences of Declining Insulin Therapy by Individuals with Type 2 Diabetes, which was published in Diabetic Medicine. Dr. Turchin, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So first, the results of your study showed that declining insulin therapy was associated with worse glycemic control and that factors like older age and treatment with non-insulin diabetes medications were associated with greater likelihood of declining insulin therapy. Could you tell us more about these findings? You're absolutely right. These are the most important findings of our study. In the study, patients who declined, that is, refused uh, treatment with insulin, took on average 50 months to reach the A1C target of less than 7%, whereas patients who accepted insulin therapy recommendation took about 38 months to reach the, the same A1C target. So that's a difference of 12 months or a year. And as we know from studies like UKPDS, UKPDS or DCCT, a difference in glycemic control of just a few years' duration then results years and decades down the road in greater rates of complications, including retinopathy, nephropathy, cardiovascular events, and even death. So that's why we think that these results are very important, pointing out a significant potential contributor to poor glycemic control and uh, ultimately diabetes complications. It's also important, of course, to think about why patients with diabetes are making these choices. In this study, we're just starting to look at that by looking at the patient characteristics that are associated with acceptance or decline of insulin therapy. And sometimes it seems that patients tend to make appropriate choices. So, for example, older patients were less likely to accept insulin therapy, and in fact, insulin may be more risky for older patients because of associated hypoglycemia. And on the other hand, patients who have comorbidities, who have diabetes complications or higher A1C, appropriately so, were more likely to accept insulin therapy recommendation. Now that your study has identified predictors and consequences of declining insulin therapy, how can clinicians treating diabetes address these areas and reach these patients? So that's a very important question. I think that's what we really need to study next. The most important question to ask is why are patients declining insulin therapy? So if an 85-year-old person declines because they're afraid of hypoglycemia, that may be appropriate. If a 60-year-old who has decades of life in front of them potentially declines because of fear of needles, well, this is something that the clinician needs to work with the patient on because that may be something that we may help them resolve. Also, what we found, not specifically in this study, but when we were just looking at the patient's records in the course of the study, we found that the reasons why people are declining insulin therapy are frequently not documented. So what we suspect might be going on is that clinicians aren't even always asking why the patient declines insulin therapy. They may be making assumptions that may or may not be correct. 
So we think one of the implications of this is that we as clinicians need to delve deeper into this and uh, talk to the patient and ask them why they don't want uh, insulin therapy and then help them make a decision on what the best therapy is for them. Your study may not have addressed this, but in your view, have the rising costs of insulin in the United States impacted whether patients decline insulin therapy? We didn't specifically study that, but certainly in our clinical experience, the rising medication costs in general and insulin in particular are affecting our patients. And uh, I see with an increasing frequency patients making medication decisions based on their cost. And this is true even for us in Massachusetts where there is reasonably decent healthcare coverage and I can see how that could be even more difficult in the states uh, that did not do a Medicaid expansion or are restricting access to Medicaid, uh, that things could be even uh, more difficult for, for patients with respect to being able to afford insulin. What key clinical takeaways do you hope to leave with endocrinologists and other clinicians treating diabetes on this topic? I think there are a couple of important takeaways. One is that it's really important to recognize the patient as a partner in their care because ultimately the patient is the one making the decision about their treatment. We are there to help them make uh, these decisions. So we need to make sure we provide that help by talking them through why we feel insulin is the best treatment option if in fact we feel that. Uh, by discussing the alternatives and by elucidating their reasons or saying no if that's what they said. And if the reason is appropriate, then we need to offer them alternatives. And if we think the reason is something that may be overcome, then we also need to talk them through that. The other important implication, I think, is for administration and for people who measure quality of care at the population level because we frequently over the last couple of decades have been talking about the phenomenon of uh, clinical or therapeutic inertia where the patient is has their blood sugar that's not under control and medications are not being intensified and for example insulin is not being started Typically, whenever we see this happen, let's say in a study or in a population analysis, we've tended to make the assumption that it's always the provider that's not offering uh, treatment to the patient, and so it's therapeutic inertia. What I think our study shows is that the reality is more complicated, that in making that assumption, we're forgetting about the patient, that the patient uh, is the ultimate decision maker in their health care, and so as a result, the way to address this phenomenon of delays in therapy intensification, they may be more complicated than just addressing the provider aspect. We perhaps need to supply providers with better tools to address the decline of particular treatment options by the patient as well. What are the next steps in terms of future research in this area? There are probably two main steps that we're thinking about. One is that we think it would be important to conduct studies that 
show actual impact of decline of insulin therapy by patients on long-term outcomes because ultimately, obviously, glucose level or hemoglobin A1C level is just a number. What we really need to know is whether when a patient declines insulin therapy, this has an impact on their long-term complications. Our study suggests that it likely does because it clearly has an impact on their blood glucose level, but that suggestion is not approved. So we need more evidence in that regard. And the other important aspect is that we need to do more work on elucidating reasons why patients decline their provider's recommendation for insulin therapy. That will help us understand what the best intervention might be and whether the intervention should be on the patient side and the provider side. For example, providers might need better training on how to explain insulin therapy to the patient or likely on both sides. Thanks again for joining me today, Dr. Turgeon. For more podcasts like this, visit consultant360.com.